5: All right, we've got a lot to talk about today on (laughs) this podcast. So first off, please make sure that you share this podcast with your family and your friends right now, because we're going to deal with a Facebook whistleblower and why I'm not so sure that this whistleblower is necessarily a good thing. Uh, We found out she's a hardcore leftist. We found out that her law firm that's representing her is the same people that attacked Donald Trump. There is some information about this whistleblower that concerns me, and I worry that they're going to listen to what she says and then regulate Facebook, but it's really going to be regulating conservatives, and I'll I'll explain all that coming up in a moment. We also today are going to be joined by two U.S. Senators. U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn is going to give us a deep dive into this Facebook whistleblower. She's actually put together this bipartisan panel and has actually spoken with and talked to this whistleblower. She's going to tell us what she thinks about all this and and some of the good information we've gotten from this whistleblower when it comes to all the treasure trove of documents that she has released on Facebook. Then we will be joined by U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty. Senator Haggerty is going to be talking to us about this $3.5 trillion tax hike. Now, what's hilarious about this is Joe Biden is out there actually trying to convince you that his $3.5 trillion tax hike is actually a tax cut. Now, I wish I could blame this on him being just totally senile, but it's not. This is... The Jedi mind trick of the left. We're going to tell you as we pitch you this infrastructure bill, as we also have in this bill a $700,000 fine for anybody that employs an individual that is uh, not vaccinated, which would bankrupt every company in America if you hired anybody that is that is not vaccinated, right? This is the vaccine mandate. It's in the bill, 700000 per employee. That would bankrupt every company. I don't care how big they are if you actually employ unvaccinated workers, which means everybody gets fired, right? Now, Joe Biden has come out and tried to tell you, and this isn't senile Joe Biden. These are like semi prepared remarks in Michigan. He's pitching this infrastructure bill saying we got to act on this now. We got to spend $3.5 trillion now. And he says it's actually a tax cut. Listen to this.
6: If you walk to the average informed person, doctor, lawyer or whatever, and said child care tax credit, they're not sure what that means. But what it means is, you know, if you were making a decent salary and you had two kids or three kids or four under the age of 18, you get to deduct $2,000 for each
5: child off your bottom line of your taxes you owe. By the way, I just got to go back to the beginning here. If you walk to the average informed person, okay, so anyone that's not a doctor, a lawyer, whatever, apparently using his words, are idiots. But if you go to an informed person, and I'm just saying, if you're a Democrat and you vote for this guy, he clearly doesn't think very much of you unless you're a doctor or lawyer or whatever, right? Or a crackhead like his son, who's the smartest person he knows. But he says, most people don't know. If you walk to the average informed person, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever, and said child tax credit they're not sure what that means. That's a lie. Everybody knows what child tax credit means. It means you get credit in your taxes for having a child, a dependent, you idiot. Well, guess what?
6: If you're making 15 bucks an hour, you don't have any taxes to pay like that. So guess what? You got nothing. Zero. Zero. No help.
5: My friends, you know- by the way, if you're making 15 dollars an hour, you get plenty of help. Because basically, at the end of the year, you get all your tax dollars back if you paid into taxes. So he's an idiot, right? The top 1% of wage earners in America pay more than 50% of all taxes. The lowest percent, 25%, basically pay more than that, 30%, pay virtually no taxes at all. So if you're making $15 an hour, you got kids, you're getting a big tax back, break back, or a big tax, I guess you could say, credit coming back at you. The IRS is going to send you a check. So this idea he says that you get nothing if you're making $15 an hour, that's just a lie.
6: The team have no problem giving billionaires and millionaires gigantic tax breaks. This is a tax cut. You know, what it does is
5: now. Now, to be clear, he just said $3.5 trillion tax hike is a tax cut. It, I mean, th- this is just insane. He's saying, well, you know, the billionaires aren't paying their fair share. Billion- the top 1% of wage earners, which would include millionaires and billionaires, Pay more than 50% of all federal taxes. They're paying more than their fair share, you moron. And then to say, well, this isn't a tax hike, it's a tax cut. You can say it all you want to, it's still stupid.
6: My friends and other team have no problem giving billionaires and millionaires gigantic tax breaks. This is a tax cut. You know, what it does is, now, and it's in place, and people in your state are understanding it now, Instead of it provides it up the ante how much you could get for a child under seven, you get thirty six hundred bucks tax cut on a yearly
5: basis and you get three thousand for a child under 17. Now, let's be clear what this really is. This is this is nothing but warfare on the working class. This is class warfare. This is the only thing that Democrats really know to do now, which is divide. Divide, 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 divide. That's what this is. That's all this is advocating for is dividing this country and and attacking and trying to make those that are independent, financially independent, those that reinvest, those that have small businesses, those that have private businesses, all they're trying to do is make them shut up. They're trying to silence them. They're trying to shut them down. That's what they're doing, plain and simple all they're trying to do folks that's it that's the only thing they're doing they're wanting to attack them because they say well there's not enough of them to vote us out of office so if we can basically bankrupt them we can take all their money and shut them down they'll have less money to then come after us with they'll have fewer dollars to fight against us and then we'll own the people who are poor and they'll be beholden to us, and then we can change America fundamentally. They don't want people to be successful. They certainly don't want people to be millionaires. What's even funnier about this is almost every Democrat in Congress that, that lectures you about paying your fair share and rich people don't pay enough are millionaires, multimillionaires. Nancy Pelosi's a multimillionaire. Chuck Schumer's a multimillionaire. Joe Biden's a multimillionaire. So is his son. His son, which they won't even tell us the truth if he's divested like they promised he would. His financial holdings and Chinese energy companies, they won't tell us today at the White House about that at all. No, no, no. This is class warfare. This is, that is all it is. It is Biden trying to destroy America. And you punish those that work hard. And you reward those that don't work. That is the Biden economic plan. Plain and simple. That is exactly what this plan is. That's all it is, by the way. Nothing more, nothing less. That is what it is. So when he comes out and he says, I got a $3.5 trillion tax hike that is a tax cut, every American should be offended by that. Every single one. Now, I want to get to this other issue, and that's the Facebook whistleblower. And then we're gonna be joined by Marsha Blackburn in a moment to talk about that as she questioned the whistleblower today. I want you to hear what this Facebook whistleblower had to say testifying before the Senate. She was talking with Senator Jerry Moran, Republican Kansas. And here's what they had to say about what Facebook has been doing, hurting children on purpose to make more money.
0: Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for your testimony. Uh, what examples do you know? We, we've talked about uh, particularly children, teenage girls in, uh, specifically, but what other examples do you know
4: about where Facebook or Instagram knew its decisions would be harmful uh,
0: to its users but still proceeded uh, with the, with the uh, plan uh, and executed those uh, harmful, uh, uh, that harmful behavior?
7: Facebook's internal research is aware that there are a variety of problems facing children on Instagram that are, um, uh, perv- they know that severe harm is happening to children. For example, in the case of bullying, uh, Facebook knows that Instagram dramatically changes the experience of high school. So when we were in high school, when I was in high school, uh, most kids. You have- looked at
0: me and changed your report. Your yeah.
7: <laughs> Sorry um the when when i was in high school you know or most kids have positive home lives like it doesn't matter how bad it is at school kids can go home and reset for 16 hours kids kids who are bullied on instagram the bullying follows them home it follows them into their bedrooms the last thing they see before they go to bed at night is someone being cruel to them or the first thing they see in the morning is someone being cruel to them Kids are learning that their own friends, like people who they care about them, are cruel to them. Like, think about how that's going to impact their domestic relationships when they become 20-somethings or 30-somethings, to believe that people who care about you are mean to you. Um, Facebook knows that parents today, because they didn't experience these things, they never experienced this addictive experience with a piece of technology, they give their children bad advice. They say things like, why don't you just stop using it? And so that Facebook's own research is aware that children express feelings of loneliness and struggling with these things because they can't even get support from their own parents. I don't understand how Facebook can know all these things and not escalate it to someone like Congress for help and support in navigating these problems.
0: Let me ask the question in a a broader way. Besides teenagers or besides girls or besides youth, are there?
5: Now, you, you can hear this whistleblower making it very clear. That Facebook, and she's released tens of thousands of pages of internal research and documents testifying in the Senate about the company's impact on kids. This former Facebook product manager said the company puts profit over people and its products, harming children, stoking division, and weakening our democracy. She has now called on Congress to take action against the company as the platform, she says, has repeatedly misled the public and continues to hide research about its shortcomings. Facebook, of course, has pushed back on those claims. Now, let's talk about national security issues for just a moment before I bring in U.S. Senator Marcia Blackburn. The whistleblower also said, I have strong national security concerns about how Facebook operates. It's not just kids. There's also another issue here, and that's the national security perspective, the national security standpoint. And the whistleblower has said very clearly today that she has major concerns Senator Richard Blumenthal suggested these national security concerns could be subject to a future subcommittee hearing after hearing what was said today. Now this woman, this whistleblower whose last role at Facebook was a product manager supporting the company's counterespionage team was asked whether Facebook is used by authoritarian and terrorist-based leaders around the world. She said such use of the platform is quote definitely happening and that Facebook is very aware of it quote my team directly worked on tracking Chinese participation on the platform survey surveying certain populations and places around the world you could actually find the Chinese base the Chinese based on them doing these kinds of things we also saw active participation of say the Iranian government doing espionage on other state actors On Facebook, she went on to say that she believes Facebook and Facebook's leadership understand they are consistently understaffing the counter Espionage information operation and counterterrorism teams, saying it's a national security issue. She said, I'm speaking to other parts of Congress about that. I have strong national security concerns about how Facebook operates today. Now, there are also concerns about who is this whistleblower and could all this be being done to then actually silence conservatives. We do know that this far-left whistleblower quit Facebook because it wound down their election interference unit, which means conservatives they were going after. This whistleblower is a leftist. She says she left the company because it chose to wind down its civic integrity unit, which had been accused by Trump supporters of interfering in in the presidential election. She was a member of the Civic Integrity Unit, which would likely have been involved in the decision to suppress the New York Times' Hunter Biden story ahead of the election, as well as other acts of censorship against Trump supporters. Now, Facebook wound down the unit shortly before the election, which she described as a betrayal of her comments before the Senate Committee today, even though she admitted that Facebook integrated the unit in other parts of the company i think the moment when i realized we needed to get help from the outside that the only way these problems would be solved is by solving them together not by solving them alone was when the civic integrity unit was dissolved following the 2020 election it really felt like a betrayal of the promise that facebook had made to people who had sacrificed a great deal to keep the election safe by basically dissolving our community and integrating it into other parts of the company Her testimony fits in with what Facebook sources have previously told reporters, which is that Facebook's efforts against disinformation and fake news were run by the most anti-Trump employees at the company. Joining me now to talk about all of this is U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn.
1: Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Senator, I appreciate you coming on. And I, I get nervous when I see what is being said. And I think you'll probably understand what I mean by this. This whistleblower is coming out. The media is covering her, covering her like crazy other whistleblowers that come out and tell their stories about what's going on behind the scenes get virtually no attention if they're done through conservative groups and then we find out that this whistleblower is is kind of a leftist some even argue an activist she's rep by lawyers for the whistleblower behind the Trump impeachment and there are people that are worried that this is going to be used to silence conservatives like myself and you and others, by having a great overhaul of Facebook because of what she is, quote, exposing Facebook on. And in reality, it may actually do more to hurt than help when it comes to people having the freedom to say what they want to say online. You've been dealing with this day in and day out. What is your initial take on this whistleblower and what she's said so far?
8: Well, what we have to realize is that nobody knew anything about her or any kind of uh, political leanings um, when she started making the documents available. And trying to get some regulation in place on big tech so that we could have privacy, data security, Section 230 reforms, those have been conservative issues. And it's conservatives that have driven those issues so that we could have these privacy protections, have uh, Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, uh, so that we could address Section 230 reforms. And so I think we have to remember these are all things that have been conservative issues. And Ben, it's... You know, every once in a while, you have the left move our way on an issue. and indeed, um, we in and it's important to remember too, the Democrats, as you well know, they're the ones that have blocked online privacy, um, having a federal standard for online privacy. They wanted to have state by state so that everybody would end up being like California. Uh, they didn't want data security and breach notification. They certainly didn't want to have any Section 230 reforms. Um, so it's uh, I, I think we've looked at the documents that she's brought forward, and we've used that to help build a case as to why we as conservatives have been right on this online governance
5: issue. You know, one of the things that was said when she was asked whether Facebook is used by, quote, authoritarian or terrorist-based leaders around the world, this whistleblower said, uh, such use of the platform, quote, is definitely happening, and that Facebook is very aware of it. When you heard that, what was your initial reaction?
8: Yeah, you know, one of the things we had looked at in the documents, we have to realize that 90% of Facebook's users are outside of the United States. 10% are in the United States, and the Facebook we see here is a more sanitized version of what is taking place. Now, today's hearing really dealt with online privacy and children's online privacy. But Senator Sullivan, who has been very good on these intel issues, cyber issues, you know, he was a military commander and um, represents Alaska in the Senate, he asked about this as these regimes using Facebook, some of these terrorist groups uh, using Facebook, looking at social media platforms as a way to recruit. And he used his questioning time to bring that up and to ask Senator Blumenthal and I to hold a hearing on that issue, which of course we will do because this is another of those areas where whether it's Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, uh, we need to rein them in when it comes to allowing people like the Ayatollah to have a Twitter account or some um, regime that is trying to overthrow a country to be able to organize using Facebook.
5: Well, and the scary part is they'll allow them to have their accounts, but they will silence conservatives right before the election. I, right. I experienced it. They shut down the president. Yeah. Donald Trump, once he didn't win the re-election. They shut me down. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know,
8: I think all of us, all of us conservatives have experienced that. I was speaking to a group recently, and I said, throw your hand up if you've been silenced by one of the social media platforms or know somebody personally know somebody that has been silenced and it was amazing well over half the hands in the room went up
5: you mentioned bipartisanship on this issue my guest to me u.s senator from tennessee Marsha blackburn You, you mentioned bipartisanship and and we may be getting somewhere Uh, How close are we? Because we always see the I mean, we've seen and I think you'll agree with me. There's a lot of people that roll their eyes and they see hearings like, oh, here we go again. We'll have this big grandstanding. We'll get some great fodder. We'll get some, you know, senators or congressmen that put up YouTube videos of how they're holding big tech accountable and nothing happens. Are we closer this time to actually putting some sort of regulations on these guys? Are they going to weather the storm yet again? go back to their same old dirty tricks of silencing anyone they don't agree with.
8: No, you know, here's the thing that happened with these documents coming out from the whistleblower, things that we have had as anecdotal evidence and things that we have used, you know, we would say, um, you know, there is preferencing taking place, Um uh, there is blocking, there's shadow banning. Um, We would hear from different groups and organizations and uh, we would actually get these exact examples and deliver them to the social media companies. And it would be deny, deny, deny. And then the, the democratic lawmakers would say, well, Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or whomever says they took care of that. Well, this time around, we know from the documents the whistleblower gave us that yes, Facebook has a process called cross-check. They have a process called white listing. And in that, they elevate certain users that they agree with their message and they want to amplify their message. So we now, know that and know that Facebook continues that practice because we have now seen the research that they conduct on themselves. That is very helpful to us. And, you know, Ben, it has helped us to get that bipartisan agreement and that admission from Democratic colleagues that, yes, this is taking place, and, yes, you're right, we need to do something about this.
1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Let's deal with the the children and the exploitation of children. And and I'm talking about the fact that they know internally that they're doing harm with Facebook and with Snapchat, or or, or I should say with them technically Instagram, et cetera. They know that this is is harm on young people, young girls specifically. This seems to be where there's a real bipartisan point here where people can rally together and say, okay, this is clearly just flat out wrong. Uh, we know they've been doing this now for apparently a significant amount of time, and they have the documents right. internally, and they continue to make decisions to put profits over correcting this. Is this something where the real legislation could be passed quickly to get, to to rein this in? And also, have you heard anything from the Biden administration on any of this?
8: We have not heard a peep from the Biden administration on any single piece of this. And that is really surprising to me because have we caught Facebook doing these things? Absolutely. We have looked at the documents where they have conducted research on children as young as eight years old, even though they've denied it. And even today, they were trying to deny it. And we have the documents now that show what they're doing with data mining to all of us, but specifically what they're doing to children as young as eight years old. And last week, we had Antigone Davis, who heads the uh, global safety and security project for Facebook in front of us. And I was asking about the data mining they're doing on children. And she said, oh, when we find accounts, that children are using, we take them down. And I said, how many accounts have you taken down? Well, in the last three months, we've taken down, get this, 600,000 accounts. Wow. So, Ben, we know they have a minimum of 600,000 children that are under 13 years of age. This is clearly a violation of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. These are all things we will turn over to the FTC for further investigation and for enforcement and penalties. But this is the kind of thing that we're finding out by getting these documents and by being able to build this support so that unlike in 2012 when I first offered the Browser Act, which is online privacy one set of rules, entire internet ecosystem, one regulator, the FTC, you have to opt in to share your data and the platform cannot boot you off the platform. It allows you to provide protection for your information online, which I call the virtual you. But since 2012, it has been the Democrats that have blocked taking this action. The reason they were doing it is because it would change the value of these big social media companies
0: by
5: billions so,
8: yes by billions of dollars because their value their big ad agencies their value is built on the number of eyeballs that they capture and the amount of data that they're able to data mine so the longer you're on their site the more money they're making because they get more data from you, and then they turn around and sell it because you're the product. You're the product when you're on their site. So our goal is to put privacy protections in place and to level the playing field by reforming Section 230. And I think we may actually get something done this time around because finally, Those colleagues of ours on the left have had to say, well, you might have been right about wanting to do something on privacy and data security. And maybe you were right when you started three years ago trying to reform Section 230.
5: Senator, I appreciate your time and I appreciate you coming on the show today. I want to now bring in U.S. Senator uh, from Tennessee, uh, another man who has been dealing with this budget issue, and we told you we were going to give you an an update on this budget issue, uh, is U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty from Tennessee. Senator, I appreciate you coming on today as well. I want to play for you real quick the headline or, or the audio of Fauci talking about Christmas Basically saying like, hey, we're going to do what we did last year. If you guys don't do what we tell you to do last year, it was masking. And and, and then now it's mandates. We're not going to let you have the holidays. But we can gather for Christmas or it's just too soon to tell.
4: You know, Margaret, we, it's
5: just too soon to tell. We've okay. just got to concentrating on continuing to get those numbers down. Too soon to tell. Senator, are we going to cancel Thanksgiving now? I mean, when did Fauci get this power? Because nobody voted for him and he's the highest paid guy in our government.
3: You know, his new nickname is going to be the Grinch. Uh, I can tell you this. My family is going to be having a normal Christmas and normal Thanksgiving. And, you know, I I think here's yet yet another, you know, Fauci message that is leading to more disarray, more confusion, and frankly, more lack of trust by the American public in anything that he says and what's coming out of the authorities at the NIH. It's really regrettable that uh, he has become such a political tool in this uh, really challenging environment.
5: What what makes me laugh about this, and it comes back to the issue of credibility. So he says this on the big Sunday morning show, and then he kind of freaks out because everybody's going nuts over him saying this. A- and then he has the audacity to come out uh, on CNN and he says, you know, well, you guys, you guys, quote, took me out of context on that one. Listen,
4: best way to assure that we'll be in good shape as we get into the winter would be to get more and more people vaccinated.
5: That was misinterpreted as my saying, we can't spend Christmas with our families, which was absolutely not the case. By the way, he he did say it. You heard it. I heard it. Everybody, everybody, we just heard it. He's like, they took me out of context. This is the problem with the credibility issue. And this is the reason why I think we're seeing such a stagnation of people going to get vaccinated because there's now... People, they're like, I don't believe anything you guys say. And, and and once they started talking mandates, you saw the data as well as I did. The number of people that went and got vaccines plummeted as soon as they started using the word mandates. If they would have just been quiet and let people make a medical decision and stop turning into a political decision, we'd probably have a much higher vaccine rate than we do right now. But when they keep coming out saying things like this, it makes people dig in and say, uh-uh, I'm not going to do it just because now I don't trust you. Now you're lying to me, and now you won't even – now you're literally – I hear you say no more Christmas, and then you say, oh, I was taken out of context 17 hours later.
3: And as usual, you've got your finger right on the pulse of the American public. Certainly that's the way people in my home state of Tennessee feel. And I think the reality at this point is that Fauci has been so focused on his media profile and getting in front of cameras that he's been, become the biggest source of disinformation out there. He's got the public confused. He's got us, uh, you know, he's changing the message back and forth, just as you demonstrated. So many times it's hard to keep track of it. And he has lost the public's trust. And as you say, when, when people hear words like mandate, they dig in. And this has generated the exact opposite result, I think, that he hoped for, that this administration hoped for. But let's get a little bit further into it. I think what this administration hoped for with the mandate wasn't actually to create a mandate. They wanted to deflect attention from what was happening in Afghanistan. No doubt, they called it an emergency mandate. You remember that they said this is an emergency. It's been a month; they still haven't issued a rule. Uh, They've been talking about this, but all they did was issue a press release, get everybody stirred up, and get everybody's attention focused away from the disaster in Afghanistan onto this new thing that you know will not withstand judicial scrutiny. It's something that they've known all along. I think will will, will not stand up, and they have yet to yet to issue a rule, and OSHA has yet to issue any guidance. If it was. An emergency, if it was as harmful as they thought, you would have thought they would have actually acted with urgency, and they have not. Again, it's just messaging by these
5: guys. My guess with me is your Senator Bill Haggerty. Senator, I want to know, and, and you may be able to answer this, who actually gets to decide and come up with recommendations? Because the CDC, this is a separate from Fauci in theory, uh, came out and recommended today a, quote, virtual Thanksgiving Again, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention briefly recommended, quote, a virtual Thanksgiving for the second year in a row before quickly reversing their guidance, claiming it was a, quote, mishap. There was a story from Sinclair Broadcasting Group noted Tuesday that the CDC had released its guidance for the 2021 holiday season, closely following a suggestion From Dr. Anthony Fauci, the White House top advisor on COVID-19 matters, that it may be, quote, too soon to tell whether Americans expect to celebrate Christmas. But their guidance said, as for Thanksgiving, again, Americans, quote, should plan to have a virtual Thanksgiving and avoid attending gatherings, which can increase their risk of contracting the highly transmissible Delta variant of COVID-19. Now they're already backpedaling that. Who comes up with this stuff?
3: You know, it seems like everybody is uh, is an armchair scientist here in this administration. They bounce back and forth from and one recommendation to the other. And again, the, the net result of this is they are destroying the public's trust in these institutions. They have made the public convinced that they have politicized these institutions. And the net result of it is confusion. It's going to slow down the adoption of the vaccine. If, if people are considering it, I think it's exactly as you described again. They're putting the brakes on because they see political actors, engaging in the way that we've seen Dr. Fauci, uh, and, and it really is causing a huge lack of trust in the system.
5: I want to get to the budget for a second because we've seen so many things come in uh, when it comes to the budget, the, the new headline is the U.S. government will run out of money by October the 18th. The Treasury secretary says I, I jokingly say, well, look, let's give the government twelve hundred dollars. That should be more than enough. Right. That's what they did for us. <laughs> let's just turn it right back on them. Give them twelve hundred dollars. Put them on a budget. You, they'll be fine. Uh it, You see now people being harassed uh, and the president. Justifying that harassment, you you have the harassment, uh, organized harassment of Senator uh, Kristen Sinema, a Democrat, Arizona, over the weekend. Yep. Uh, we see all her followed into a, a bathroom, into the stalls. You have people in the media saying justifying this, saying it's totally okay. CNN even came out. Kristen Powers, my former colleague there, said, "Which is worse, your grandparents being deported?" or being followed into a bathroom because you refuse to stop and listen, uh, saying it's okay, the White House saying, and Joe Biden saying, uh, that it's basically okay to harass people if they're not doing what you tell them to do, whether it's on the budget or the or the issue uh, at the border. Your reaction to your colleagues being harassed now?
3: I think we've seen this from whether it's Maxine Waters suggesting you know, that the previous administration be harassed right here in Washington or what's happening now. The These Democrat activists will, will go to any level to achieve their objectives, but turning on themselves. Uh, I think that it was absolutely disgraceful what they did to Senator Sinema. And this should not be tolerated. And we should have leadership coming from this White House, not not pouring fuel on the flame. We should have somebody that's a leader standing up and saying, look, there, there is a certain amount of dignity that every American should be accorded. And Senator Sinema serving our nation should be accorded her sense of privacy to follow her into a bathroom. That's ridiculous. And you know it is just uh, part and parcel of a radical approach by a radical party that's being driven by the far left. Uh, they seem to have no bounds, and it is uh, you know it, it's a crisis a day with with, with these folks. Uh, it's you know the, the debt crisis that they're creating. They've been able to fix this for months. They just have chosen not to. Uh, Explain what what you mean by that. Uh,
5: Explain what you mean by that, because there's so many people that get confused, and and unfortunately, we have started to see, I think, the the breakdown of a of of our government in the consistency to do basic things like debt ceiling. This should not get to this point every year, and now we've been conditioned. To, to have these continuing resolutions, these CRs, to kick the can down the road, to add more debt. I mean, the, this debt ceiling is, is, a, is a real issue now. And, and you say, well, Democrats could have dealt with this months ago. I, I think there's a lot of people who go, well, how? It's your fault. Republicans, well, you're standing in the way. That's what the media has been telling us, which is not that's true. That's what the media is
3: saying. That is absolutely not true. They could use the same tool that Democrats have used to route us on this massive spending spur. You remember back in March? 1.9 trillion dollars passed without a single Republican vote. They're talking about another 3.5 trillion now, which I think is going to turn out to be more like 5.5 trillion dollars. They would they would are willing to do this without any Republican input on spending, yet they want our support to pay for it. They're not going to get it. We've been clear about that. Again, I think what they're trying to do is precipitate yet another crisis. They may try to use this to argue, well, let's just blow up the filibuster then. Let's destroy the United States Senate. We use that as a means to then break the first barrier on the debt ceiling. Then we'll go right after the voting. Uh, you know, they want to federalize our elections. They'll go right after every other left wing policy that they can come up with now, because if they can rationalize doing away with the uh, filibuster for the debt ceiling, they've opened the door for, again, as I say, the complete destruction of the whole structure of the United States Senate.
1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Uh, Senator, uh, you know, you, you learn from Democrats and you watch how they operate. I, I go back to the, to the line that I never thought I would hear again, and we've been hearing it ever since, which is, you know, Nancy Pelosi's famous line with Obamacare, we won't know what's in the bill until we pass the bill. We see that happening with infrastructure. We see that happening uh, with these these debt ceiling issues and and with the budget and everything else that comes with it. But there was one thing that's been tucked in one of the bills on the House side, and it deals with there's a line in there on a random page that talks about a seven hundred thousand dollar fine from the federal government that would go towards employers who employ someone who is unvaccinated. And that's not like if you have 100 of them, it's a $700,000 fine. It's per employee. Now, this would clearly bankrupt every business in America. Amazon, Facebook, the big ones, Walmart. They couldn't afford that fine uh, to, to pay that fine to keep an employee or take the risk of an employee who refuses to, quote, get vaccinated. This is made its way by somebody who put it in there. I'm not even sure who at this point it, have you heard anything more about this? Does it still have a chance uh, of moving I, forward?
3: I have definitely heard about this. It's in there, and it, again, reveals the sheer incompetence of this team that's doing uh, you know, the negotiation, if that's what you're calling it. And this is not a negotiation with Republicans. I mind, mind you that, Ben. This is Democrats negotiating with Democrats. These are staffers that have no idea how the free enterprise system works. They don't understand how our economy works. They certainly don't understand that this fine that they've embedded, $700,000 – for any employee that's not vaccinated that you might employ, again, as you say, that will bankrupt America. They don't get it. They don't understand or appreciate it. Um, I've taken a number of steps since the Biden administration came out with this mandate. Uh, I was the first to send a letter to the Biden administration the very day after they announced that they were going to put this mandate forward to require them to put this regulation in front of Congress for review and for a vote of disappro- disapproval that would have taken it down. It's required under law. They're ignoring it that would allow people's elected representatives to weigh in. I think we'd get a very different result. I voted for Senator Marshall's Marshall's amendment to prevent funding to implement this mandate. Sadly, the Democrats blocked that. And again, I'll I'll come back to the fact that this was supposedly an emergency regulation. And this is, you know, such a big emergency that they want to put a $700,000 fine into this bill, yet they haven't put forward any rules. They haven't proposed how it would be implemented. Again, you've got to pass it to find out the details of what's in it. All we've seen are, are heads and bullets like you just described, but this would be absolutely devastating to American industry.
5: Up to another headline. I told you we had a lot to cover today because there's so many stories, but this one, I think, is shocking. Uh, almost every American, especially if you have kids in public schools, uh, this this shocking report that has come out that the Department of Justice and the FBI are now uh, investigating, quote, unquote, parents. They're calling it a disturbing spike in, quote, harassment and threats against school administrators. Uh, The Attorney General, uh, Merrick Garland, has ordered the FBI as of Monday to begin investigating, quote, a recent spike in harassment, intimidation, threats of violence against school administrators, board members, all because you have parents that are showing up and are furious over what their kids are being taught, whether it be critical race theory or or sex education, disgusting books that are in their schools. Uh, he quote, in recent months, there's been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff who participate in the vital work of running our nation's public schools, the memo said. Without citing any specific examples, they said they're now going to weaponize the FBI, the DOJ, and they are going to start investigating parents who show up and want to speak at these events. If if you say something I guess they don't like, they're saying, quote, these threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values, those who dedicate their time and energy to assuring that our children receive a proper education, their definition of proper and mine are very different, in a safe environment, deserve to be able to do their work without fear of For their safety. Now, their safe environment's clearly referencing their COVID 19 protocols and having your kids Mm -hmm. be masked or maybe even be vaccinated, like in California. Your reaction to to Garland weaponizing the FBI and the DOJ, going after local parents, basically saying, we're planning to discourage them from making these threats. They're not threats when you're fighting for your kids' safety.
3: Well, I'll come back to where you started this, talking about uh, the harassment of Pierce cinema for the weekend. I don't see Merrick Garland and the FBI going after that sort of behavior. Look, this is a trademark of the Biden administration, a total lack of accountability. The Teachers union don't want to be held accountable. This is why they've pressed, I'm sure, uh, the attorney general to come in and basically limit freedom of speech on, on, the, on the part of parents. They don't want parents' input uh, in, in what happens in our schools. They want to control it. They want to federalize it. Just look at what's in this $3.5 trillion bill. They want to take control of our children's lives from the from the very beginning, you know, from pre K all the way through school. And once they've knocked out all of the competition, you know what's going to be next. They're going to be dictating the syllabus for those classes. They're going to be dictating the content of what's going to be taught in those schools. This is their move toward Western European-style socialism. We've got to stop
5: it. Lastly, I want to ask you about uh, this whistleblower within Facebook. And my guest with me is U.S. Senator um, Bill Haggerty from Tennessee. There are people that got really excited about this whistleblower. I have a lot of concerns about this whistleblower. Uh, she has come out and said some things that immediately conservatives would jump on and be happy about, saying, I have strong national security concerns over how Facebook operates today. But if you look at really what she's saying, you look at her legal team, who also uh, brought you Christian Brasley Ford and her attack on uh, a man that was trying to get on the Supreme Court. It, I am very weary of this taking this bait because uh, I, what I see now from her testimony is this is basically could be used to justify the silencing and the shutting down of conservative voices online in the name of, well, we're trying to protect children, and so therefore we're going to come in with a massive overhaul of our platform, and that will silence many conservatives like myself or you.
3: I'm very concerned about them using this as a lever, again, to exercise more of their you know, Silicon Valley type of censorship. Uh, I've introduced a new bill called the Disclosed Government Censorship Act, And that legislation that I've introduced would require the executive and the legislative branch employees that engage with these big tech platforms to disclose the fact that they have been working with them, particularly when they talk about taking action to restrict freedom of speech. That comes in addition to the bill that you and I talked about before that I introduced early on, the 21st Century Free Speech Act, that would treat big tech companies like common carriers. That was an argument that was very well articulated by Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Uh, it would, it would basically require non-discriminatory access. Uh, it would require them to state clearly the criteria that they use to, to moderate and quote, monitor, uh, and frankly censor, uh, information online. Uh, we've got to step in and clean this up. The, uh, the way big tech has positioned itself to allow themselves to work against our First Amendment rights, uh, to, to engage in anti-competitive practices, that damages our society. And there are many, many reasons to be
5: concerned. I really worry this is a big false flag and a way to just crack down on conservative Mm -hmm. speech on their platforms. Uh, do me a favor, Senator. Next time someone brings up the quote insurrection on January the 6th, just remind the Democrats, uh, they probably wouldn't be okay if Trump supporters hounded Pelosi into a bathroom and they would probably start a full blown investigation. Yet Joe Biden is still saying totally fine to do this to anybody that gets in our way to spend 2.2 trillion entitlement spending after 3.5 trillion proposal. Uh, has been rejected and and holding America hostage right now with our economy. It's scary what they're able to do right now. Senator, again, I appreciate your time and coming on today. As I've said it before and I'll say it again, please make sure you hit the share button right now so that people can hear what U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn, U.S. Senator Bill Hagerty had to say and all this information uh, that we just talked about uh, with the budget, with Facebook and everything else that's going on. We're going to continue to get you the breaking news on these stories for the next several days as we do our deep dive into what your rights are as an individual, what your rights are as a person uh, when it comes to COVID, what your rights are when it comes to saying no to vaccines. We're going to deal with all of that in the coming days. So make sure you like, share, and support our podcast. Hit that subscribe button. It is free. And I'll see you back here tomorrow.